SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The NFL season is back. It is Thursday night. We've waited a long time with no preseason, very little training camp. It's been a while since we've welcomed the NFL back into our living rooms in 2020. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. We got it covered for you all season long, every day, fantasy, wagering, reality. We will cover it for you here, not just football, of course, here on the show. we got baseball to talk about as well, and uh, touching on the NBA, of course, no doubt. But, Joe, make no mistake about it, it's been a very strange offseason. In fact, uh, of all the off-seasons that I've played fantasy football and, and been involved in football, this one snuck up like no other, I think, on most people. There has not been a ton of discussion on it because we really don't know what to expect. But we're finally going to get our first glimpse tonight as Houston takes on Kansas City, and that's where we'll start today. Yeah, I think the uh, weirdest one of date was probably 2011 with the lockout heading into that year. That was a very weird preseason into the NFL as well, but this is obviously a whole different set of circumstances that we've never seen ever. So, uh, and the interesting to point out though, too, uh, my colleague over on uh, the DFS wagering pod that I was doing, he pointed out in 2011 to week one, because a lot of people did not have as many reps and things like that. There were a ton of overs that weekend because teams really weren't in sync yet and they did not have a lot of time together. And I wonder if we're going to see a lot of that here, but it is great to have football back regardless I don't care if they're ready, they're not. I'm ready for some football, and I cannot wait for tonight's game with Patrick Mahomes on the stage getting that Super Bowl ring. That's going to be a beautiful moment there, so an outstanding way to start the season. And how about you, Craig? But I am very excited for week one in the NFL. Yeah, I am too, as well as uh, college football, no doubt, as Miami will take on the University of Alabama, Birmingham at 8 o'clock Eastern. So uh, I got Marlins baseball, I got Major League Baseball, I got NBA, I got NHL, and of course I got college and pro football all at once. I don't know if I missed anything. If I did, someone will let me know. Of course, you can let me know at social media, at Craig Mish on Twitter, at Joe Pizzapia 17 on Twitter, and we are SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Let's take a look at the Thursday headlines for this day in sports. My gosh, I am happy to not go back in history and look at this day in fantasy sports. I got reality tonight. I got real football on tonight. It's opening <laughs> night. It will be played in Kansas City, essentially in front of no one. How will that play out? Boy, it is, uh, from, a, from a wagering standpoint, this is the most curious I have, and even from fantasy standpoint, this is the most curious I have been in a long time for football. I don't know what to expect. Uh, in terms of Tampa Bay, they're playing the most anticipated NFL regular season game in a long period of time. It almost reminds me of the days where I couldn't wait to see Dallas play San Francisco in those, uh, in those games in the 90s when they used to face off with one another. It was always the highest-rated game of the season. Uh, but Buccaneers may not have Mike Evans for this game. He is questionable for Sunday. What in the world? This guy had a hamstring injury last year. Did he play in the in the uh, in training camp? Like I don't. We, we don't even get any answers on this. It's it's very very hard to determine. But today, of course, is uh, is Thursday. He still has Friday and Saturday to get right. But if it's the same injury as last year, you got to be a little bit concerned. So downgrade Evans, upgrade Godwin for sure going into the weekend. How about the Toronto Raptors in one of the most exciting games we've seen at the Eastern Conference in overtime, pushing the Celtics? 
to a game seven. So we will have that game tomorrow night along with everything else going on. Kyle Lowry and company with Toronto. Uh, how about the Clippers? They look dominant. They're going to win this series against Denver. Denver may scratch out a win. It's possible. But but the Clippers are going to uh, the West Finals, probably against the Lakers. We'll talk about the Lakers in a little bit. But the Clippers look like the team to beat right now in the NBA. Amazing how good Kawhi Leonard is, and yet still maybe even a little underrated in the NBA, how good he was last night. What's going on with these with these uh, basketball players, by the way, from the 90s becoming head coaches? First, we had Steve Nash out of nowhere. Now, I guess it's not out of nowhere because he hasn't been hired. The Indiana Pacers potentially pursuing Chauncey Billups to be the next head coach of them, the potentially future Hall of Famer. That would be a really interesting hire. I thought Billups was a great player for a long period of time and would be happy to see him get a chance at that gig. That's one I give two thumbs up with. And then in case you missed it last night in Major League Baseball, the Atlanta Braves scored 29 runs against the Miami Marlins, which was the most ever scored in a National League game and one run shy of the all-time record that was set by the Texas Rangers back in 2007. And so uh, amazing to see that that happened in baseball last night, Joe. So certainly uh, with, with everything going on, it's a very exciting time. But man, 29 runs in a game, that has to sting. Yeah, Molly, it stink. It just crushed anything that you did well in DFS in any other thing. If you didn't have the Braves, that was it pretty much yesterday. And Jordan Yamamoto did the almost unbelievable. He gave up 12 earned runs on 13 hits. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't know you could do that. And what are all the unwritten rules now? We heard so much about the unwritten rules and all these things. Yeah, I saw a lot of guys swinging away and hitting bombs and doing all kinds of things. <laughs> it's kind of weird to me, all the unwritten rules, and then nobody's complaining about them. Seemed like a lot of hotbed of uh, unwritten rules a few weeks ago, but now, I don't know, not so much. I will say this, this Mike Evans situation is very complicated because although a great saying is, yes, Godwin might get more opportunities, he's going to be on Marshawn Lattimore one of the better corners in the league. And without Evans on the field, Lattimore is going to be able to shadow Godwin wherever he goes. It could open up some things for Scotty Miller over in the slot. And he's just 47K over on FanDuel. It's something to keep an eye on because kind of like Julian Edelman in that role is something Tom Brady feels very comfortable with. So, And there's been a lot of good buzz about him coming off camp. It is kind of out of nowhere, but it's something that maybe in GBPs to keep an eye on if Evans is on the field even, just not 100%. And we'll go over the DFS slate tomorrow on Fantasy Sports Today as Jim Sanis will join us and break down everything going on on FanDuel. Coming up next, fantasy standouts from DFS and from season-long fantasy baseball league as we continue here on our show. It is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Don't go away. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today, September the 10th, 2020. Opening night for the NFL. We got plenty of football to cover and we'll do it here on this show. We'll take a closer look at what the Chiefs look like as well as the AFC West, so make sure you stay tuned for the entire two-hour edition here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Also, a reminder, over on SportsGrid.com and our YouTube channel, we have on-demand all of the shows that are on here on SportsGrid, whether it is the early line, the morning after, Scott Farrell going coast-to-coast, Gabe Morency. You should get familiar with what we're doing here because we're going to cover you for all of the entire 2020 
football season. We talk a lot of fantasy here on the other shows. They talk a lot of wagering. Of course, we will talk wagering on this show as well. We'll do it every Friday here on FST. But let's, uh, Joe, get to some baseball here and recap very quickly what happened in baseball last night and in fantasy baseball last night. And then we'll kick back to some football here uh, for the Thursday night games, by the way, college and pro football game tonight. We'll start off with the Atlanta-Miami game where Adam Duvall hit three home runs. He's he, uh, he 13 now on the season and nine RBIs. Remember, Duvall already has another three home run game this season. There's no question that Adam Duvall, if they incorporate the DH full-time, is going to end up hitting 40 home runs for someone next year, whether it's Atlanta or someone else. This guy could just flat out rake. Uh, Trevor Bauer, who we'll hear from in a minute, from the Cincinnati Reds, seven and two-thirds, ten strikeouts. Outduels you, Darvish, improves to four and three on the season. Uh, Tyler Anderson of the Giants. What an unbelievable story the Giants are. My goodness. Thank goodness I did not throw money away on the Giants under this year. I tried to throw money away. I didn't get the bet in. I wish uh, I wish I had. I'd feel better about it, actually. <laughs> Six innings pitched, uh, four stri- strikeouts, no one runs. He picks up a win. I thought Tyler Anderson was their closer. Now he's their starter. Okay, sure. James McCann, two home <laughs> runs for the White Sox. They have two really good catchers there. McCann has put together a nice season for them, by the way. Maybe they can move him in the offseason and get something back. Because Grandal's clearly their guy. Drove in four runs yesterday. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, four hits, a stolen base for him. Good DFS day as well. Jed Jerko, two home runs for the Milwaukee Brewers. All of a sudden, the Brewers are sort of back in this thing. And Corbin Burns was great yesterday. Probably should have included him in this. Uh, Burns has been the best pitcher uh, on the Brewers and now is their ace moving forward. Luis Urias, three hits, two runs, five RBIs there for him. But some good pitching performances, Joe, around the league yesterday. And we'll get to some more as we talk about some of the potential Cy Young Award candidates. But uh, look, uh, Milwaukee put up a 16 spot. You had Atlanta put up a 29 spot. So you had a mix of offense and pitching yesterday. Well, that was the crazy part is because I thought going into today's show, after I saw the results of the early game with Milwaukee, I said, wow, we're going to be talking about that offensive output. No, no, that wasn't even close to the lead because of what the Braves did. Uh, and I just, I just feel bad for Yamamoto who had to stay out there because of the schedule and how many games they have to play and the amount of pitchers they have available. And, Talking about taking one for the team, I don't know if his ERA can ever come back to uh, – I mean, is it in triple digits? I don't even know. It's crazy Forget where it. we're at. And you're up- <laughs> I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like this before. I will say this. Uh, the uh, Going back to some of the earlier stuff, too, talking about the Giants, that lineup continues to produce. Yastrzemski had another home run yesterday. Donovan Solano stays hot. Brandon Belt stays hot. And because they're in that later slate on FanDuel, they continue to be very moderately priced. We're talking about Solano in that 2-6 range. We're talking about uh, Yastrzemski's come down into that you know low 3, mid 3 range. Brandon Belt's been around 3. This team continues to produce, and nobody seems to care. And it's funny because you look at the roster percentage every night, and it's very low. And I'm checking, and I'm going through, and then I look, and I say, well, it's crazy. Look at the productivity here until it stops. I understand they're not the big names, but until it stops producing, what are you doing? Like you have to go out there and get a piece of the San Francisco Giants lineup. It's cheap. It's effective. And that's all you need right now, especially if you're going to go up to the top of the board and get pitchers like you, Darvish, and pitchers like Trevor Bauer, who were in a great contest last night. These guys have ERAs with a 1.7 in front of it, which is pretty impressive, to say the least. And uh, look, you, Darvish, didn't pitch bad last night. He had quality start, nine strikeouts, gave up three earned runs, was a quality start. But Trevor Bauer did outdo him, and he has been absolutely electric. Those two guys, head-to-head, definitely the front runners for the National League, Cy Young, and it was fun to watch those two guys square off. But unfortunately, the pitching matchup got lost in, oh, I don't know, the 29 runs that scored in the Marlins-Braves game. 
Yeah, and not to be lost when when uh, the MLB Twitter account put out the other day the potential Cy Young Award winners, Trevor Bauer was left off that. So some extra motivation mm. last night as Bauer faced off with the Cubs. And after the game, Bauer talked about how the uh, the Chicago players on the other side were chirping a little bit at him and pretty much through the entire game. Bauer has a funny way with words, no doubt. Um, basically, he did shove it to the Cubs uh, yesterday. Uh, all right, Joe, so let's take a look at Bauer and the rest of the Cy Young Award candidates here in the National League. And, and it, it could be just as simple as looking at Jacob deGrom and saying that he's the Cy Young Award winner in 2020, because you could. If it ended today, he'd be, it'd be him. But look at the numbers for some of these other pitchers, too. Let's not do a disservice to you, Darvish. If wins matter, you uh, Darvish is going to lead the National League. He's got seven, 1.77 earned run average, 72 Ks. That's more than DeGrom. More innings, but that's more than DeGrom. And his ERA is right there. Uh, Bauer has 71 Ks in 52 innings. I would say Bauer has a shot. This thing is wide open. Zach Allen came back a little bit to the pack with his last start. But if Gallen puts together three dominant starts, who's to say Zach Gallen is not in the mix? And by the way, Max Freed, had he not gone on the injured list, mm-hmm. you could make the case Max Freed maybe goes 12-0 and 0 or something wild like that. How do you not put him in the mix? Now, they're saying that he's going to come back next, next week, Joe, but he is on the 10-day injured list. So I would say that the field is wide open at this point. DeGrom is clearly the favorite because he's probably the best pitcher among these listed. But who is to say that DeGrom doesn't have one bad start? And if he does, it opens up the door for everyone else. I just wonder if that win total there, there's such a disparity. There's a four differential between you, Darvish, uh, and Jacob DeGrom. And it's not Jacob DeGrom's fault. We all know that. I, I mean, the Mets just don't score runs for him. I wonder what he would be if he pitched on a team like the Twins or the White Sox and had a ton of offense. It would be amazing to see what that win total could be. He might never lose a game, depending on how where he might be there. But I think if I had the vote right now, it would be for you, Darvish. And it's because of the combination of the stats, because of the win total, and how important he's been to that team. And that team is at the top of the, the Central right now in that race for the playoffs, whereas the Mets, you know, continue to well be the Mets. Uh, I think Trevor Bauer is clearly in that conversation as well as he should be. Zach Gallon, I think, is going to fall out of that conversation, unfortunately, because of where the Diamondbacks are and because of the win total, and that is unfortunate, and that's not how we should necessarily judge this award, but it's just a fact of life. It's a media award, and to a certain extent, win totals do matter to the mass media in terms of their evaluation of the Cy Young Award. And then you have Max Fried, who I agree with you, is kind of in that discussion. The only trouble is just losing one or two starts potentially here in this shortened season can really hurt your chances to win an award like this. And that is unfortunate. It's not 162. It's only 60 games. So that that's a big disparity. You miss a couple starts here and there over six months. Nobody cares. You miss a couple starts when you only have 10, 12 starts to make. All of a sudden it impacts an award like this because the margin for error is so short. So I would vote you Darvish as one. I would probably go DeGrom 2, Trevor Bauer 3. If I had a ballot, that's how I would vote for them. Uh, and I would also subscribe to Trevor Bauer's YouTube page because clearly, as you saw the shirt in the clip there, he needs to get that over to 100,000 followers, clearly, and subscribers to his YouTube page. Talk about going into business for yourself. Man, oh, man, I know that's a wrestling term, but Trevor Bauer, I mean, with the T-shirt there. at the uh, uh, So Trevor Bauer, I guess. How about you, Craig? How would you listen? DeGrom still your one for sure? Yeah, I, I I would go with Degrom first. I would. I would go with Degrom first. I would go with probably you Darvish second. 
I probably think that I may go Max Freed third, and I think that he's got a shot to stay in the mix as well. So it's an interesting dynamic, I would say, as we go down to the wire in the final three weeks of the uh, baseball season and the fantasy baseball season. All right, uh, we got Chris Coffey with the update coming up. And then I believe we have the tip drill. After that, we're going to get back to some fantasy talk and some NFL talk as well. There's an update on Mike Evans of the Buccaneers, as well as some discussion potentially on uh, Brandon Cook's activity tonight on the field against the Kansas City Chiefs. They uh, may or may not have Cooks on the field tonight. No one really seems to know. Uh, Also, don't forget, we are going to be covering you every weekend here for fantasy sports as well as wagering as our weekend programming is live now 24 hours a day, seven days a week here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Update is next, then we're back. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Chris Kofsky with your SportsGrid news update. It's finally here. The NFL season kicks off tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time between the Houston Texans and the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. There will be fans tonight for the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. It will be limited capacity. Current line for the game on FanDuel Sportsbook. The Chiefs are giving 9.5 points at minus 110, minus 480 on the money line. The Texans are plus 370 on the money line. Total of that game is 53.5, with the under being the slight favorite at minus one fifteen. Now, other NFL news, the Eagles have reworked to deal with veteran offensive lineman Jason Peters after the team announced that they were moving Peters back to left tackle after several injuries to their offensive line. Peters wanted more money after originally being told he would play right guard, and he got it. Peters' new deal is worth $8 million with $4 million guaranteed. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians told reporters that wide receiver Mike Evans will be a true game-time decision this Sunday with a hamstring injury for the Bucs' 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff against the Saints. Evans is currently listed as day-to-day and missed practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's the same hamstring that hurt that he hurt at the end of last season that caused him to miss the final three games of the 2019 season. To the NHL bubble where it took two overtimes and a lot of controversial calls by the refs, but the Raptors forced a Game 7 by beating the Celtics in double overtime, 125-122. to Kyle Lowry led the way for the Raptors, scoring 33 points. OG Anobi added a double-double with 13 points and 13 boards, and Norm Powell had 23 points off the bench. It was the star of the night for the Raptors. Kemba Walker struggled mightily for the Celtics in the loss, scoring only 5 points on 2-11 shooting from the field. Tatum had 29 points and 14 rebounds. Jalen Brown led the Celtics with 31 points. Game 7 will be on Friday. In the nightcap from the bubble, the Clippers took a 3 one series lead against the Nuggets following their 96-85 win. Kawhi Leonard led the way for the Clippers with 30 points, 11 boards, and 9 assists. Montrezl Harrell added 15 points off the bench. The Clippers can put the series away with a win. On Friday, today's only game from the bubble tips off at 7 p.m. Eastern time when the Lakers take on the Rockets. Lakers currently lead the series two games to one, and the Rockets will be without forward Darnell House. As according to ESPN and other sources, House violated bubble protocols by allowing a guest into his room. House is currently denies these allegations, but his status for the rest of the playoffs is in serious jeopardy. To the NHL bubble where the Islanders are in big trouble as they now fall two games to none. Against Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals, following Lightning 2-1 to one win. The Lightning got a goal with less than 10 seconds left from Kucherov to win it. Game four will be tomorrow. Tonight's lone game on the slate will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. As Golden Knights take on the Stars in game three of the Western Conference Finals with the series tied up a game apiece. Finally, recapping some MLB scores from last night. We had some football-like scores with the Brewers beat the Tigers 19-0. Luis Arias had five RBIs for the Brew Crew. The Braves beat the Marlins 29-9, which sounds like a Falcon versus Dolphin score. Ronald Acuna Jr. went yard and had five RBIs. Adam Duvall homer three times and drove in nine runs. The Mets rallied from six runs to beat the O's 7-6. Jeff O'Meal homer two times and now has four home runs. In four straight game, Trevor Bauer struck out 10, giving up no runs on three hits in seven and two, three innings as the Reds beat the Cubs 3 nothing. I'm Chris Koski with your Sports Grid News Update. Now time for the NBA Tip Drill. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks again to Greg and Jeremy for the tip drill as we got another NBA game on tap tonight. Joe, I think that it's interesting to look at some of the teams in the NFL and look where their fantasy aspects may lie. And for this discussion today, we're going to focus on the AFC West. Uh, last chance to really get this in before the games begin tonight. And so let's go, let's get it going, okay? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. We don't need to spend too much time on Kansas City because everyone knows who they are. They're playing tonight. We're going to preview them a little bit later. But, of course, Mahomes, mm-hmm. Edwards, Hilaire is the running back there. Daryl Williams would probably be mentioned. Darrell Williams seems to be getting a lot of love lately as the potential backup to Edwards Hilaire there. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Watkins, Nicole Harmon, those are the, the three wide receivers for KC. And, and certainly in that order, too, things can happen and change quickly. But right now, that's the way it's viewed. And then Kelsey is the tight end, of course. Uh, look, I, it's a dynamic offense, Joe. It's one of the best offenses we've seen in the NFL in a while. Reminds me of the Rams a little bit back in the day when they had the greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. Anybody who was in that offense you wanted a piece of whether it was Holt or Bruce or even Oz Hakim toward the end, just didn't matter. You wanted a piece of it. Yeah, more athletic from the quarterback position, though, for sure. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does stuff that uh, Kurt Warner can only dream about. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if he does have the same sort of season that a lot of people are projecting him to have, this is going to be a huge game changer. You're going to add basically that Kareem Hunt yardage totals and all of that kind of fantasy points onto an older version of Patrick Mahomes without a team really in the AFC that I think can stop them possibly. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire is that guy. That is the guy to keep an eye on this season to see where he's going to end up when all said and done. But certainly he deserves all the hype. Let's see if he lives up to it starting tonight. Denver will have an interesting season because they're talking about changing things up. We'll see if they actually do. Drew Locke is their quarterback now going into his second year, but first full season as a starter. Running backs have been upgraded as well as Melvin Gordon is the new starter in Denver, but back 1A is Philip Lindsay back yet again. Cortland Sutton is the top wide receiver on the Broncos and the main option for Drew Locke, although Jerry Judy was fantastic in college. We'll see if that translates over to the pros. They now have a 1 and 1A, maybe a wide receiver, and then Hamler is sort of the slot guy there for them as well. Uh, Noah Fant, their former first-round pick that was taken, and, and look, Joe, on paper, Denver has the offensive weapons to do it. I think Mm -hmm. that we're just going to have to wait and see if that ends up coming to fruition in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look, Cortland Sutton was one of my favorite guys going into last year, and he continues to be this year also. He is just underappreciated and undervalued. And Judy's going to be the same. And yeah, you can make the argument they're going to be capped to a certain extent, what kind of ceiling they're going to have. This is not a team that's probably going to be putting up 35 points in a lot of contests, but I do think they can be more productive than people realize. I am looking for Noah Fant to continue to progress and develop what he did last year. And you saw towards the end of last year, him start to emerge a little bit. I think he's got a real chance to finish at the end of tight end one this year, which would make him a huge value. And I'm also fascinated to see what's going to happen with these two running backs because Melvin Gordon is going to lose some carries to Philip Lindsay. And if anything happens to Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay becomes immediately extremely valuable again, and he is a guy that I would like to have on a lot of fantasy benches. So if for some reason he's still floating around unowned in one of your leagues, I would absolutely be throwing some uh, fab his way this week. All right, the Los Angeles Chargers will open up the season with their new quarterback for the first time in almost 20 years, as Tyrod Taylor is the new signal caller there, followed by Austin Eckler at running back, and then Jackson, who is nursing a toe injury. 
Uh, Josh Kelly, who they drafted this past year, we'll see how much playing time he ends up getting. Keenan Allen, their top wide receiver, is back, but Mike Williams is not. He's on the injured list. Uh, Guyton would be their number two guy. But, of course, Hunter Henry is going to be a major factor. And Taylor in the past, look, Joe, he threw to Clay when he was with Buffalo. I would expect him him to have a good relationship with Henry at tight end as well. Uh, Chargers, to me, are one of those teams I just like to stay away from every year because I really don't know what to expect except for expect at the end of a game for them to blow it. <laughs> That's what they've done for the last <laughs> decade or so. Well, and you know what? You could expect more of it because without Derwin James back there, this is not a good secondary. So although the front has guys like Ingram and Bosa on it who can get to the quarterback – they're going to struggle at times late in games, especially because you can throw on the Chargers, and that's the problem. I don't think they're going to be able to hold many leads that they have if teams can actually matriculate the ball downfield. Now, look, you've got Henry. You took the words right out of my mouth. I think he will have a bounce-back season. Keenan Allen's still going to have a ton of volume in this offense just by default, and he still didn't have any touchdown upside going into last year anyway, so if he caps at five or six this year, it's pretty much the same Keenan Allen you're always getting. You can always see in the FanDuel pricing is somewhere around 7K. That's probably going to be what he is, and in matchups like he's got this week, a good matchup for him uh, against Cincinnati. I think that he could absolutely return some nice three times value there. And, of course, Eckler is going to be fascinating to watch. Can he repeat again and be that guy? He is a smaller running back. We know that for sure. Uh, I would also like to see what happens in the second half of the season as Joshua Kelly continues to get more acclimated into this offense. And I think the big unknown is if and when they make this change over to Herbert what this does, how this impacts the offense, because I am not the biggest fan of Herbert. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him as well. But I think Taylor can at least manage this team for the first half of the season and kind of keep them productive in terms of fantasy when they change quarterbacks to Herbert at some point. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, and I don't think Herbert would be in a great spot for this year, but I was not really a huge fan of him uh, coming out of college. And I thought that two years ago he would have been the number one pick overall and then you know, slid a little bit for me. Uh, great offensive line for many years there, and I just don't know that the Chargers have the same offensive line that Oregon had for four years. All right, let's 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 cap it off with the Raiders here. The Raiders are in Las Vegas this year. That's probably the biggest story of all for them. Uh, Carr is back at quarterback. Could be for the last time. We'll have to see. Josh Jacobs had a fantastic rookie season, and clearly they're looking for return on that investment there, and you are looking for return on that investment in fantasy if you drafted Jacobs in the first or uh, late first or second round. Henry Ruggs from Alabama was a little bit of a sneaky pick for the Raiders. They're going to need him because with Tyrell Williams out, it's Ruggs, it's Brian Edwards, it, it's Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. And I would think, Joe, that Darren Waller in particular is in line to have a monster season, provided that the wide receiver talent doesn't look that good on paper. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think he's going to lead the team in targets again this year. I would like to see them get more balance. I'd like to see guys like Ruggs and Edwards kind of step up here and create uh, a little bit more of a balanced offensive attack for the Raiders because that will help Josh Jacobs. But they got a very good first shot out of the gate this week against Carolina. It's not a very good defense, a very young defense, and one that I think that they can really challenge them with that speed. Henry Ruggs, that kind of guy. If you remember last year, uh, Marquise Brown burned them in week one. I think Ruggs could be that same kind of guy that could burn them in week one too. Similar kind of player in terms of style and speed. But overall in the season, let's see what Brian Edwards is. Let's see what Ruggs is. And you have to have patience with these guys, too, because they are still rookies and they are still on the learning curve. So if they don't hit right away, don't panic. Send them to your bench, not back to the waiver wire. All right. We'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports Today. Our final look before the season begins at the NFC West, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals, and Rams. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid, and we're back right after this. Make sure you stay tuned. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia just kind of giving you some updates as to what is going on in the world of sports and the world of fantasy sports. Before we get back into our discussion of the NSC West, we have Mike Evans, who is officially questionable and will be right up into a game-time decision against the, the New Orleans Saints. So let's keep an eye on that this week. Divine Ozigbo of the Jacksonville Jaguars, we hardly knew you, placed on injured reserve. So he is out for the year or out for a number of weeks. Uh, Jacksonville, simply put, does not have a lot of good options there at running back. But there is a couple of teams, I would say, Joe, in the NFC West that have some good offensive options, albeit new players in some places. Uh, San Francisco starting running back last year was not Raheem Mostert. He is this year. Arizona starting running back, Kenyon Drake, was not their starting running back. He is this year. And particularly in the Rams, I don't know who their starting running back is going to be because their depth <laughs> chart. Uh, yeah, their depth chart says one thing. We believe another, but I guess we're going to have to see how it plays out this weekend. Yeah, a lot of committees there uh, for the Rams and uh, possibly for the 49ers as well. But Mostert is, I, I think, a guy that it's all about the right price, especially in the daily fantasy game. I think in the season long, and this is why you have to kind of disseminate between the two. In the season-long game, Raheem Mostert is going to be limited certain weeks because you're going to have some other people in full point PR be able to pass him in terms of scoring just from catching the ball and the volume of being the only guy in the offense. However, when you go to a site like FanDuel, it's a half-point PPR, and you see a good matchup against a weak defense, and he's not priced really high if he's somewhere in that 6K range. It's actually not a bad investment because he does have touchdown upside, and that's what you're always looking for over on FanDuel. So it'll be fascinating to see how this works out. Jarek McKinnon has certainly had trouble staying on the field the last two years. There's no doubt about that. Tevin Coleman, to me, has never been very impressive, even back to the Atlanta days. I kept hearing all this stuff about Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman, but really, he was just a secondary back. Mostert, I would love to see the good story continue. But I just understand how Kyle Shanahan wants to do things, and he is going to find ways to get other people the football. You look at the rest of this uh, lineup here, you've got obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. We'll see uh, if there's a Super Bowl hangover. We know what Garoppolo's tendencies are, Craig. He likes to attack the middle of the field. Lots of quick slants. That's what they do best. If you could take that away, you have to force him to throw the football deep. That's something he struggles with a little bit. And then, of course, you have the wide receivers, Debo Samuel, just coming back healthy. We're not sure if he's 100 percent and you don't want to be not close to 100 percent just to even start the season, because we all know as the season goes on, it gets trickier and trickier. I think Kendrick Bourne has some upside there as a wide receiver in some standard leagues for some touchdowns in that deeper kind of format, potentially. And we'll see what the rookie Brandon Ayuk is going to be able to give you. Now, Ayuk certainly has that kind of style where you could see him being one of these guys that attacks the middle of the field, and that's what they like to do. They like to run the football, attack the middle of the field, get the running backs involved as well in the passing game. And, of course, you got George Kittle, who one of my favorite players – but I would love to see George Kittle's touchdown total go up this year. Can we please get this guy some more looks? It's just so frustrating from a fantasy perspective because that's what keeps him out of that number one spot. It's not the usage. It's not the opportunities. It's not the catches. It's the touchdowns. They've just been limited the last two years. I don't know if that's going to change. And I got to be honest with you, Craig. I still have a lot of concerns of this team having a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. It would not shock me 
if Arizona beat them in week one. It just would not because Arizona played them tough last year and adding DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake here to the beginning of the season makes them more formidable in my sense. So yes, Arizona is not a great defensive team, but if they could just have a couple things bounce their way, I think they can give them a really tough go here in week one. So what are your thoughts on the outlook for the 49ers in this offense? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think you're being fair to them. Um, look, the 49ers are a really good team. Uh, I, I know that you had trouble believing in them last year, but they proved it. There's no doubt that the Super Bowl hangover is real, and certainly that could take them down to nine or ten wins. But their defense is awesome. Uh, their offense is always going to be patchwork. I, I think that that's what you're going to get with the kind of names that you're talking about here. But I, I still think they're uh, they're a great bet to win the NFC and a great bet to potentially win the Super Bowl. Could they lose this week? Absolutely. I could see the Arizona winning, no doubt about that. It's probably a good bet taking those points. Uh, but but again, I, I, I think that this is still a really good football team. I'm not going to do a disservice to them. All right, uh, Seattle. Let's let's go on to Seattle here. Uh, this was a team that I was dead wrong about last year. I thought they were going in the tank, and they proved it again. Uh, I'm all in on Russell Wilson being one of the best quarterbacks, if not the single best quarterback in the NFL, future Hall of Famer. He's fantastic. Uh, Carson, I just don't know going into this year. I was very high on him, and he burned me a little bit. Uh, Carlos Hyde is now there to steal some carries away from him, so that could potentially happen. I love DK Metcalf. He is on both of my fantasy teams that I'm in on this year, so I'm hoping for a big year from him. Uh, Lockett, I I liked last year, but Metcalf really looked like the guy that emerged there. And then, of course, they have Moore, who shows up once every few weeks and catches two touchdowns. And Greg Olson is their tight end there, who I really don't have a lot of interest in, but I have so much interest in Russell Wilson that I think he can make anyone good. I don't know how good Seattle is going to be. My guess is, uh, Joe, is that their defense has got to be worse. They've lost so many players through the years from that Legion of Boom, and there's so few left that I, I simply don't know how they can stack up against some of these other teams in the NFL. But I know their offense is going to be good. Not worried about that. Yeah, the offense is going to be good. The defense got a little younger and faster in the offseason. Uh, I think that this team can win this division. I really do. I think this is going to be the Russell Wilson MVP year. I'm kind of planting my flag there. We'll see how it turns out. And uh, I, I agree in terms of what he's capable of doing on the field. Russell Wilson is in that elite class. Um, he's right there with Mahomes in that conversation. Lamar Jackson's incredible fantasy quarterback right now. He's still got a little ways to go as an all-around quarterback. But uh, Russell Wilson, to me, is, is right there at the top. And I am with you. I am super excited about DK Metcalf this year. This guy had a ton of red zone opportunities last year. If he can get that same amount and convert a little bit more, my goodness, this is going to be a huge breakout season for him. And it's a really good matchup week one against the Atlanta Falcons because the Falcons are a team that does not tackle very well. The fact and, and the matchup he's gotten week one against Oliver, a rookie cornerback, it's going to be a really tough matchup there for him. DK Metcalf, a physical specimen, just towers over him. It would be shocking if he didn't have a great game here week one out of the gate. And same thing for Chris Carson, too. I don't know what that workload's going to be. That's a little bit of my question. But against the Falcons defense, a defense that struggles against opposing running backs, especially if you can get them the football out in space a little bit, this is just not a defense that tackles very well. They did in the last couple of years. They really haven't changed that much year over year. I know the Fal the Falcons finished better this year and week, uh, and that is uh, excuse me last season, and that is something important to look at. This is a team maybe on the upswing, but I think this week one matchup looks great for the Seattle Seahawks and the rest of the season. If indeed Carson can stay healthy, 
I think they can really contend for this NFC West. I really do. And Locke is a very safe player. They're not going to get much productivity out of the tight end position. We'll see if Disley can get healthy and eventually kind of contribute. But for the at least the beginning of the season, you're going to get Olsen working in there. Lockett's a nice safe floor guy, but DK Metcalf, that's the dude. If he breaks out this year and can convert a little bit more in the red zone, my goodness, it's going to be a really exciting season for the Seahawks. All right, let's move on to Arizona. Speaking of tight ends, a team that's basically never had one. Uh, they don't, again, this year with these two guys, that's for sure, Arnold and Max Williams. They have one of the best young and up-and-coming quarterbacks in the NFL and Kyler Murray, no doubt about that. Uh, Kenyon Drake there is their running back. I don't, I'm not a believer at all in him, and I believe that Edmonds is a great handcuff this year in fantasy. I tried to take him everywhere I could. Uh, Hopkins is, is now the number one receiver there, no question. Uh, Christian Kirk, who also showed signs and had touchdowns in bunches last year. Larry Fitzgerald is the third guy. You know, it's interesting, Joe, the one player that I have in a dynasty league, and it looks like a completely busted pick, I thought it was, but there are some positive reports about Andy Isabella saying that maybe he can catch 40 or 50 balls for 600 yards and become what Cole Beasley is and some of the other slot wide receivers are in the NFL. There's been really good reports on him. So I don't think he should be drafted anywhere. And I probably made a really bad pick using my dynasty pick on him. It was a late first round pick and I made that one, but I I was pleasantly surprised to at least hear his name going into the season. I thought it was a horrible pick. Well, I think it's going to take an injury for him to really get to that mark personally, because, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is going to continue to get a certain amount of targets every week. You know, Christian Kirk, too, who got a ton of targets last year, close to 100. Um, so now that you're adding in Hopkins, it just feels like it would take an injury for Isabella to really kind of show up there. But the good news is that this is a team that's going to run a ton of plays. And the, on top of that, this is also a defense that's still going to give up a ton of points. So the offense is going to continue to have to be aggressive, and you love this in fantasy. If you want to call it garbage time, if you want to call it <laughs> late points, whatever you want to call it, the Cardinals are going to give you that. Uh, I'm excited to see what Hopkins is with Murray. And uh, Murray, for a quarterback last year, showed you a lot of promise. 3,700 yards passing for a rookie is nothing to look away at. Uh, he's got, obviously, the mobility as well. He can score you points with his legs. He can score you points rushing in touchdowns. So this Cardinals team, again, I'm wearing the red today. I, I told you yesterday I'm excited about the Cardinals in my uh, Sports Grid 60. I'm excited about them. I want to see this kind of be the plucky team that stays in there. I know the defense eventually is going to let people down, But this offense is going to be really fun. And I think year two with Kingsbury and Murray is going to yield a lot of fantasy points. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of productivity from a lot of guys there. And even if you don't like Drake, just if he's healthy enough to stay in this offense for 15, 16 games, I think the volume he's going to give you and what you saw last year, they made RB1s out of Edmonds. They made RB1 games out of David Johnson. They made RB1 games out of Kenyon Drake. This offense makes RB1 games regardless of who the person is, and that's something you can take away if you're not the biggest Kenyon Drake believer. All right, let's close it out with the Los Angeles Rams and a team that I think that we're all curious about what they're going to look like this season because they looked like the best offense in the NFL for a couple of years and then really took a step back last year. Uh, pretty pretty big year for Jared Goff, who is uh, set for life financially, but is he set at quarterback for the Rams? I don't know that he is beyond this year. He'll have to have a good year. At running back, it's a mess, no question. Cam Akers, probably the most talented of the three backs. And and certainly, I thought he would go into the season as the bona fide starter based on where they drafted him. But 
Malcolm Brown is listed as the starter of the Rams, and Brown has been given opportunities and done nothing. So it's really remarkable to me to see that, unless there's some motivation involved, which there could be. Daryl Henderson, who I drafted everywhere last year, he got his opportunity to play. He didn't look that good either. So I don't know where they're at uh, opening game for the Rams. Maybe this will just sort itself out in the first game. I don't know how you could play anyone week one in DFS or fantasy. Woods, Cup, and Reynolds, that's a solid one, two, three at wide receiver there. And then Higby is being predicted by many folks to be a top six, top seven tight end in fantasy this year. Certainly that's possible. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that from him yet, but it could happen. And so we'll, uh, we'll just kind of have to see. But very pivotal year, I think, for the Rams, Joe, in a lot of different ways. It is, and I got to tell you, I'm not optimistic about it. Looking at this roster, yes, they have. It's it's a very top heavy roster. Of course, they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the defensive sides, big stars there. But they're missing that running back here, and, and missing whether or not they can really go to one guy and who that's going to be. And if it's playing the hot hand or some sort of committee, man, just everybody loses value, unfortunately. And I'm all hopeful, like everybody else, that Cam Akers can separate himself over time. But it doesn't seem like it's happening week one. And that's a concern. And Henderson is questionable going into this game here. That's also we'll see what happens because if he's healthy in a couple of weeks and they want to get him some work, even if Akers is just okay and not great, you're going to see him lose some carries there to Henderson. I do believe. I think they want to kind of play the hot hand and see who's the guy that's going to emerge. It would take a great start to the season for Akers to really establish himself. And I don't know how much opportunity he's going to get for that. Robert Woods was a guy that came on late last year when Cooper Cup kind of slowed down. I don't know if they can keep both these guys relevant at the same time. That seems to be a concern. Higby was another guy who had a really good second half. You look at the yardage total for Jared Goff. It was very good last year. However, All of a sudden, the interceptions went way up, touchdowns went down. That's not a good mark. That's not something going in the right direction. And part of it is because how predictable they came last year because their inability to run the football sometimes. And I think that's going to get worse this year, and they're going to be even more predictable than they were in 2019. That's my concern with the Rams because if you can stop them up front, basically, make them throw the ball all the time, and you know they're going to throw the ball, predictability in the NFL is usually not a good thing for your win total. Coming up, an update on Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans and a live look on the FanDuel Sportsbook at what the Chiefs are to win the Super Bowl in 2020. Stay on the grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Rage, Gabe Morenci. I'm starting to really have my doubts about this team. I think they all think... All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Day with you here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, as we get ready to wrap up this hour of the show. Plenty more to come in hour number two. In case you missed Dr. Chow on the program yesterday, he's going to be back with us today, breaking down what the 2020 season could look like under some cloud of COVID-19. It is a uh, different kind of year, both for wagering and for fantasy. And I'm very uh, optimistic that the season will get played, but certainly there are some issues to address. And I thought he gave some really good advice here on the show. So that's coming up in about 20 minutes from now. But Joe, as we discuss tonight's game between Kansas City and Houston, uh, certainly right now the uh, Chiefs are the big favorite at nine and a half or nine points, depending on where you're looking at it, but I'm speaking more or less over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Interesting game for sure, with the point spread being what it is. And when you look at the Chiefs' opportunity to repeat on FanDuel this year, they are basically 6-1 to 
to repeat as champions in 2020. So, Joe, from your perspective, does it look like you are uh, in on that, or is that not something that you're interested in? I think you have to be interested in it because you have to look at this division and you see the Broncos have already lost Von Miller. They also have a young quarterback. You look at the transition going on with the Chargers, right, going into potentially a young quarterback too, and they've lost some defensive pieces already. And you look at the the Raiders and how young that team is. Now, sure, one of these teams could emerge and really challenge them, but not really for the top spot. And I think that's the thing. You're looking at a team that's probably a lock for that buy and just has to win a couple games to get back to the Super Bowl. And let's not fool ourselves also. Two years ago, they should have been in the Super Bowl. But Bill Belichick found a scheme that stopped Patrick Mahomes in that offense and held them scoreless for an entire half and then won a coin toss. It still took them overtime to get there anyway, (laughs) potentially. And when you factor all that in, the Chiefs have been the best team in football for the last couple of years. And I think they're the best football team right now as well. The defense played better in the second half last year, more opportunistic, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more speed. So, yeah, I look at this six to one and I think this is a really good potential wager here because I think they're still the class of the NFL. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, six to one seems pretty reasonable. And again, you'd, you'd want to get to a point where you have an opportunity to hedge that at the end of the year. I always love playing that game. And, and unfortunately, I didn't even take my own advice with that on my win total last year. But yeah, I think the Chiefs, there's no question. They look like the team to beat in the NFL. Okay, hour number two is straight ahead. We're going to update you on what's going on in the NFL, some of the practice reports that are coming out, also a preview of the NBA games as well. So make sure you stay on the grid right here on Fantasy Sports today as we're back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 